do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. Dexter was before his time. Even I didn't understand that. Uh, and he had a vision to build something that would bring my father to life through technology. Fast forward today, we understand that. People didn't understand it then. And so he came under vicious attack through the media, self-proclaimed scholars and others who didn't understand because they were focused on, in their mind, they felt his intent was for profit. But Dexter had a prophetic intent. He saw into the future. That was the Reverend Dr. Bernice King speaking at the King Center in Atlanta about the passing of her brother, Dexter Scott King. Uh, our resident physician, Dr. Robert Drummond, joins us now to talk about prostate cancer and black men in light of Dexter's untimely passing. He was only 62, the youngest son of Dr. King and Coretta Scott King. He passed away on Monday at his home here in Malibu in Southern California. Um, always delighted to be in dialogue with our resident physician, Dr. Robert Drummond. Doc, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing? If I complained, I'd be an ingrate, although I'm not going to lie. I am uh, saddened, um, as I was saying to you yesterday when you and I talked about coming on today uh, to talk about this. Uh, Dexter was a friend of mine, and uh, I was on the air on Monday when news broke of his passing, and it was difficult to get through that uh, the rest of that Monday show, uh, but we we got through it, and uh, you know we we continue to to push forward. Uh, but I, I'm not gonna lie; it's difficult uh, for any of us uh, to process the death of someone we love and care about and have known for years. I recognize that each of us eventually uh, has to do that dance with mortality. None of us gets out of here alive. But 62 is awfully young uh, for a brother to pass away from something like prostate cancer, which ain't no joke, but it ought not to be a death sentence. Am I right about that? Uh, I agree 100%. It should not be a death sentence, not at all. Yeah. So um, so tell me why it is then for so many black men, sadly. Well, I'll tell you, I think one of the biggest things is that um, when you look at the statistics when it comes to prostate cancer, um, black men are diagnosed at 1.7 times the rate as white men, but we die at 2.1 times the rate as white men. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that, and, you know, I'm, I'm very big on accountability and self-accountability for us. And um, I think we as, um, as black men have to try to stay on top of our health a little bit more because I'll tell you, when it comes to prostate cancer, it's one of those things where the, the mortality rate is actually not as high as you would think. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of individuals, if it's caught early enough, it can be cured. It can be cured completely. Mm -hmm. And so that, but that has to go into education in terms of when we should get screened, what are the, what are the recommendations when it comes to prostate cancer screening, et cetera. Because if it is um, detected early enough uh, and you know the symptoms to look out for, um, then uh, it can be 100% cured. I was just talking to another doctor, Dr. Olapati out of Chicago, who is the foremost expert 
uh, certainly in black America, in America, period, I think, on triple negative for breast cancer. That's her thing. Uh, she's, again, based on the south side of Chicago. So this entire hour, as I mentioned earlier, has been about health. Dr. Olapati at the top, Dr. Dr. Robert Drummond at the bottom, um, talking now about, again, about prostate cancer. And we were just talking to, again, Dr. Olapati about, about screenings. And over the years, and I'm, obviously I'm not a woman, but over the years I've discussed this subject enough to know that there's been all sorts of, you know, variations on when women should get checked for breast cancer. I mean, uh, get their, uh, start getting their mammograms, when, how often. That, 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 there's been a range of answers um, that I've just heard in the 30 years I've been in broadcast talking about these kind of issues, certainly every October. Uh, which leads me to ask, what do we know then? What are we telling black men uh, in particular, about when and how often they ought to be screened for prostate cancer. What's 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 the order of the day in 2024? Well, first I'll say you're spot on in regards to the changing recommendations, and it can be very difficult for um, the public to keep up with those things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's probably difficult for physicians to keep up with it. Um, those recommendations come from an organization um, or a group of physicians um, that lead something called the United States Preventative Services Task Force. And they look at historical trends, um, screening uh, recommendations in the past, how that has helped to either prevent uh, the disease or treat it at an early stage. And so they, they make recommendations based on that. And so the current recommendations for just men in general is to start at the age of 55, between 55 and 69, have a conversation with your healthcare professional about PSA screening. That's a prostate-specific antigen. Mm-hmm. Um, they, that's the recommendation. It's actually not to get a, a, a prostate exam at that time, but it's just to start that conversation. Specifically, uh, when it comes to black men, the recommendation is if you have a family member who was diagnosed with prostate cancer earlier than the age of 65, then you start that conversation at the age of 45 mm-hmm. in regards to getting speed for prostate cancer. So that's the current recommendations out right now. Yep. See, that's what I mean by those numbers shifting. I am I am above 55 at this point in my life, thank God for Jesus. Uh, but uh, a, a dozen, uh, uh, 10 or 12 years ago, um, before I turned 50, um, the, the, the the recommendation then was to start at 50. Now you're telling me 55. So for me, it was 50, and so I did, in fact, start at 50. Um, but again, it, it is difficult in these recommendations uh, sort of, sort of, sort of change. Is there any? Is there any? Uh, I want to go back to that number you you you, you shared with us earlier. That black men are diagnosed with prostate cancer 1.7 times more than other folk, but we die at the rate of 2.1 times them. 1.7 diagnosed, 2.1 we are. It, it's fatal for us. So that that, that obviously is is disturbing on a, on, a, on a number of levels beyond early diagnosis. Is there anything else? Um, I'm talking now genetically. I'm talking now. Uh, you know, we talk about we just talked about the human genome a moments ago. Beyond early diagnosis, is there anything else that you know of that can be uh, that this uh, disparity between 1.7 uh, uh, diagnosis, 2.1 fatality? Anything beyond early diagnosis that you think contributes to that di- differential? Uh, well, you hit the nail on the head in terms of the first thing that contributes, and that's the, the time at which it's diagnosed. Um, and, and there's a lot that goes into that. Um, what I also say is that there's a couple of other things that come into play, and, you, and it's kind of difficult to figure out what percentages those play in regards to that, you know, oh, 1.7 to 2.1. Hold, hold that thought, hold that thought um, one second. I'm, just, I'm sorry, I'm watching my clock. I, I want to hear what those other two things are. So we, the obvious one, Dr. Robert Drummond and I agree on, is early diagnosis. My question is, which you'll answer when we come forward, is what else 
justifies, explains, rationalizes that differential between a 1.7 diagnosis and a 2.1 uh, death rate for black men when it comes to prostate cancer. Don't you move. More of Dr. Robert Drummond when we come forward. From the Merck Park with love, love this love. is Tavis Smiley. Smart talk for curious people just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Tavis Smiley and our resident physician, Dr. Robert Drummond, who's about to explain to us now what else makes up for that differential between the 1.7 uh, number of black men who are diagnosed uh, and that 2.1 number uh, that represents um, uh, fatalities in black America. What what else explains that difference, Dr. Drummond? Well, well, first, before I say what explains the difference, I'll tell you where that thought process comes from in regards to um, the possibility of there being a genetic basis. And so there was a huge study called a SEER study, mm-hmm. Surveillance, Epidemiology, and End Results. And that study, the results of that study were used to kind of float the idea that perhaps there was a genetic basis for the worst outcomes. Um, and uh, there was a larger study, repeat study, that was done by, at the University of Michigan um, that, that kind of refuted that um, and added a little more clarity. And, and so their thought process was that we know about the fact that um, we're diagnosed at a later stage, so that's the part that we talked about, but also the other confounders are the fact of Black men are less likely to have health insurance and have access to the high-quality care. So are you, is your particular provider going to recommend uh, a full prostate resection? Are they going to recommend radiation therapy, et cetera? And then the last part that's very difficult to account for is the relationship that the provider has with their healthcare professional. Do they listen to the recommendations, and are they lost to follow-up more, which we find that they are? Um, and do they believe those recommendations that are coming from their healthcare providers? So those are some of the small little things that can that are at play right. that they believe are why we have worse outcomes, worse mortality. Right. Um, here's, here's a broad question, uh, but you're the right person to ask this of. Uh, and I'm not asking your medical advice. I'm just asking your 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 view of this. Um, when many in our community find themselves battling a particular health crisis, um, there are a couple of options. The first option, in no particular order, is what we would call Western medicine, of which you are a practitioner, Western medicine. And then there are all kinds of alternative routes, alternative options, alternative medicines and therapies that people have access to. If I've endured this conversation once, I've endured it more times than I can count with friends of mine who've gone through certain situations. And the question always is, Western medicine or an alternative option? Um, broadly speaking, when you engage in those kinds of conversations, again, I know it's issue specific, it's person specific, but just, just talk to me in whatever way you can about how people navigate that conundrum, if you will, that frame, if you will, when they're faced with a health crisis, Western medicine versus alternative medicine and how they go about coming to a conclusion, if any of that makes sense to you. It does make sense. Um, it's a good point. And I have a lot of patients who prefer no medications. What I say is that I think that there is 100% room for naturopathic medicine. Uh, medicine is not based on pharmaceuticals to assist in many diseases. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the strength. A lot of the medications that are sold by pharmacies are based on natural medicines. So we have to start with the understanding of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's definitely some benefit. But I would say that that's disease specific. When it comes to cancer, and no way, shape, form, or fashion should any person choose 
naturopathic medicine and alternative medicine towards the proven, um, I would say, uh, proven by studies, mm-hmm. by actual clinical trials, um, you know, chemotherapy, radiation therapy, and surgery, the way that we treat something like cancer. Cancer is one of those things. It's not going to respond to vitamins. It's not going to respond to alkaline water. No offense to the Sebaites and those that follow Dr. Sebi out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not going to get it when it comes to cancer. And that's just a very frank conversation that I have to have with patients. And I do know patients that chose that route over traditional Western medicine when they were diagnosed with, with cancer. And they had a very aggressive course, um, and they died very quickly. And that's just the, the absolute fact of it. You came as I thought you would, uh, correct, straight, no chaser, um, uh, with a transparent answer. And uh, you were getting the best advice that he offers his patients uh, when uh, he uh, is uh, met with that question, uh, Western medicine versus alternative medicine. I love and respect uh, the straightforward nature of his response. Our remaining moments when we come forward with our resident physician, Dr. Robert Drummond. Unapologetically progressive. progressive. Unapologetically black. Black, black, black. You're tapped into Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Let's get back to more of Tavis Smiley right now. I can humbly and honestly, humbly and honestly say that um, it's part of my mission. Uh, we discuss anything and everything that matters to black people. I'm rooting for everybody black. Uh, and at our best, we want to do work that challenges our audience to re-examine the assumptions they hold, expand their inventory of ideas, make better choices, and live better lives. That's what we're all about. So I am happily uh, able to say that we don't just talk about these maladies when someone famous um, uh, falls victim to them. And yet, I'm not mad at anybody who does that. Um, I believe these moments ought to be instructive and informative and empowering for the broader audience. I, I, I say that to ask Dr. Drummond why it shouldn't take the passing of Dexter Scott King from prostate cancer at 62 to usher the rest of the country into a conversation about prostate cancer, which, again, I'm grateful to have you as a resident physician. We're, talk, we're discussing stuff all the time. It shouldn't take the passing of a person who's well-known to usher us into a dialogue about this. But over the years of practice, I'm wondering, just curious, uh, just curious here, whether or not when these moments happen, whether or not in your practice or in your in your friends' practices, um, you do in fact notice any sort of uptick in response. Uh, absolutely, um, I, I, I notice an uptick in response whenever there's, um, uh, I would say, national attention brought to something like this, which is what happens when a celebrity passes um, from one of these uh, illnesses or diseases. Um, and I can't say that that's a bad thing. I like the fact that you know that attention gets shined at that time. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned you know, we've got to do better at shining that attention all the time. You know, it's like I said, during COVID, I don't want people to suggest think that science is important when there's a, a, a worldwide pandemic. I want them to understand that it's always important and that's how we get prepared for it. And so for everyday individuals, I try to preach to them to make sure that they just stay healthy. It's not yeah. about getting healthy when you get sick. It's about being healthy before you get sick. Um, and part of that health has to do with health maintenance and health awareness, yeah. knowing what your screen should be, following up with your doctor, and then taking those recommendations. And when you do that, you can detect things earlier and you can have better outcomes. Yeah. So the biggest part is really just constant education. That's one of the things that I love about your show. And that's why I love coming here. And anything, anytime that I'm busy, I will stop what I'm doing to make sure that I can make it. Um, because these health topics are absolutely vital and so important. And for that, we are. Not just when it's a celebrity back. No, agreed. Yep. And for that, and and for that, we are grateful. That is to say, you're you're taking time to talk to us. Uh, we are grateful for that. Um, 
perennially. Uh, as we say at my boxing gym, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. And that's the advice Dr. Drummond is offering now to stay healthy. So you ain't got to get healthy when you find yourself in, in, in harm's way. I got 30 seconds. So let me ask you right quick, um, your final thoughts. In 30 seconds, what do you say to black men who too often end up dying from stuff they shouldn't die from because they're scared to go to the doctor in the first place? Well, I tell you, all the studies show that um, black men do better when they have a health provider that looks like them. So if at all possible, I do encourage um, black men to try to find an African-American doctor. And there are a lot of them that are out there to help them with their uh, with their with their daily health journey. Our resident physician, Dr. Robert Drummond. I thank you, sir. We'll talk again soon. All the best to you. Thank you. Thank you.